Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, and I'm joined, by my, as always, by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. Hey, everyone. Great to have you back. I'm excited for another episode. Today, we have um, a special guest from a, a startup company called EdgeQ. His name is Paul Steger. He currently serves as the Senior Director of Engineering at EdgeQ, where he's uh, applying his expertise in radio frequency systems to help them develop a new generation of chipsets that'll be really disruptive to how wireless networks, as we know today, um, are deployed. And we'll we'll get into some of that detail a bit later with Paul in the conversation. But um, just for some background, prior to EdgeQ, Paul was working with Cisco, and he was working uh, as director of radio frequency engineering and digital signal processing. I think he spent somewhere of 26 years, you said, Paul, at Cisco before you moved to EdgeQ, so quite the veteran over there. And he he kind of, he led the the development of the industry's first Wi-Fi beamforming solution, um, as well as a bunch of other Wi-Fi uh, technologies that make Wi-Fi what it is today. Prior to Cisco, he worked for Aeronet Wireless and Grayson Electronics. He's done um, numerous speaking events with Cisco Live, very involved with their Pioneer Awards. So, Paul, great for... Great to have you, and thanks for coming to join on, and uh, can't wait to get into stuff with you. Hey, thanks, Dan. Wayne, really uh, excited to be here. It's I've been listening to your podcast, and, and I'm learning some stuff. So <laughs> you can uh, you can be in this industry a long time and still not be up to speed on everything, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, whenever, whenever what, we always have a saying, Wayne and I, if somebody says they're an expert, then we know they're not. <laughs> Spot on. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen. So, you've worked in your career not just on Wi-Fi, as I, I highlighted at Cisco, but also on cellular systems, uh, going back to some of your earlier career stuff and, and what you're doing with EdgeQ now. So, I think this is a good opportunity for us because most of our guests come from one facet of wireless to the other. You've got you've got a foot in both sides. So, I'd really love to take the opportunity to kind of hear from you and your background on cellular and Wi-Fi and some other wireless technology you may have worked on. Kind of what's your observations of the history of where they all came from and, and how they might be converging in our world today? So maybe just give us a little of that background. Yeah. So so I guess just a little bit more background on me. You know, I, I was really lucky to get an intern job with Ericsson GE in, in the in the 90s. And, and in that building was a little bit of everything when it came to wireless. You know, I was working on land mobile radio, but you could walk down the hall and guys are building cell phones and, you know, those bag phones and things. And, and, and there's a base station work being done. So it was, it was, it was quite a mix. And then, then with Grayson working on uh, cellular microcells and, 
things and then then getting over to Aeronet when it was a startup and and uh when Wi-Fi was was just coming together just taking off so very early um having a chance to see a little bit of everything um and see how it evolves you know uh while I was at uh, Cisco and you know the the thing about getting down to the fundamentals of what you know technology brings it I think it kind of starts with what problem you're trying to solve and and what constraints are you working with and when I was you know getting to see cellular take off it was it was you know the problem was was voice and coverage you know coverage over square miles and and then with Wi-Fi totally different you know data communications and you know how do we how do we cover just this little building or even just a, a portion of the building, maybe where manufacturing is happening and you want some data or whatever. So really different, really different problems. And and the constraint was very different too, you know, on the cellular side, license spectrum and and all that you can do with that in terms of control, base station is is uh really in control of what's happening over the air. And then, you know, looking at Wi Fi and unlicensed spectrum uh, you got to do something really different to to make sure that you know the airtime is accessed fairly with all devices and it's it's open and networks that that don't even cooperate with each other are able to do what they need to do and send the data they need to send you know so so really different problem really different constraints and and it results in really different solutions that that i think uh, even if they grow closer together over time about the problem that they're solving, you know, it's, it's a, it's really a story about the spectrum and the licensed versus unlicensed and, and how close they can really get. I guess, I guess we want to, you know, make an analogy. I know you guys are kind of big on analogies, right? You know, with, with the cellular system, it's, it's really coordinated. It's really synchronized. And when you get a lot of users uh, and scale, it's it's that situation where you're maybe leaving the stadium after a ball game or something, a lot of traffic. You're really happy to see that police officer directing traffic because he's going to get you out of there in a really efficient way. And that's basically what the base station is doing. And, you know, it leads to something that's deterministic and reliable and, and um, every everything on the network knows exactly what it's supposed to do and when it's supposed to do it. With Wi-Fi, you know, you're, you have to let the individual components make some choices and about uh, what do they hear on the air and 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 are they can they jump on and and the thing is 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 they actually allow for or expect you know a number of collisions uh, not exactly what you want if you're leaving the stadium you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, after a game but but you know and, you know so that that's not going to be fundamentally allow for you know reliable deterministic you know it recovers from that but if you're if you're going to tell tell somebody when you're when you're going to get home you know you're not going to have that deterministic type of behavior but it works for unlicensed and and you know the, the scale it brings it just has some inherent inefficiencies that fundamentally are the difference between licensed and unlicensed spectrum right i think another big difference that that i've always thought about is uh, mobility versus fixed. 
Yeah. Right. You, you really cellular is built and designed to be a mobile network where the users are moving all the time. Wi-Fi, not so much, at least not originally. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind for me when you, that was a great analogy, by the way, leaving a stadium, you know, one of them is reliable and determined that I think, you know, from the early days, I don't know that a user would have thought about the reliability of both, but as things progress in technology, I think the expectation is both are equal. You know, you don't look, uh, I know that dealing with youth or younger generation, as they look at Wi-Fi, they look to have the same performance as and the direction that cellular. So what, what do you, what do you, do you see that experience even getting closer together with the same expectations on the user's end? Oh, well, not only the same expectations on the user's end, but you know, when I when I listen to my my son, you know, complain at home like the Wi-Fi is terrible, you know, I'm like, well, that might be the cable, <laughs> you know, it might be yeah. something else. But to him, it's just the Wi-Fi. And even on a road trip, you know, he's downloading a video. Hey, man, what's up with the Wi-Fi? I'm like, dude, that's not even Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, but but yeah. the, the um, you know, it's not only the expectation of of the connectivity and the experience, but but also just blending all of that connectivity, you know, into the same, into the same thought, you know, uh, about it. But, but that's definitely the, the story of how we think about those two systems, you know, but it's also the story about, you know, what they, the journey that they've been on, right. Definitely cellular started as a, as a voice, you know, um, connectivity problem and and what's on the either side of the link are you know two humans you know two people trying to have a conversation and that's you know what it's all about it didn't take long to where data moved into that as well right and 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 we see that with you know wi-fi wi-fi starts with data it picks up voice and 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 you know it's it's uh also increasing in its um, increasing in its complexity and in the way it's managing the network uh, and the users in order to scale into an you know an enterprise environment or that stadium or healthcare uh, where reliability quality of service is 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 the expectation so you know we see uh, not only the the technologies changing along the way, but but how we view them, and they're they're coming. They've always been coming together, not uh, not further apart. Yeah, I think uh, there's an ex- interesting use case out there that that really tells the story of of them coming together and and really just being two different tools in a holistic communications toolbox, right? This story I heard one time, uh, it was actually about five years ago, and it's, it was in Japan and. Basically, the cellular operator over there, I think in this case it was NTT, but I'm not positive, but they had, you know, lots of cellular network all over the the area. And then what they did is they also deployed Wi-Fi network that was working in tangent with the cellular network. And, you know, they were making sure that the devices that the users had could do a good job of smartly moving from the cellular network to the Wi-Fi network and back. Very different than what we have, at least in my experience here in the States today, where if your phone's on Wi-Fi, it's not smart enough to say, well, yeah, maybe I've got enough bars, but 
I don't have good internet connectivity, like what your son's example was. Not smart enough to tell the phone, hey, get off of Wi-Fi now and get back to cellular. But in the case of this use case, they had done some work on doing that. And and what it afforded them to do is to use Wi-Fi to help offload capacity off of the cellular network in, for example, a concert venue. And they literally had, they called them Wi-Fi ninjas. There were people they hired that would carry a backpack with a battery, an access point, and then they would use 4G backhaul to backhaul to the internet. And they would just tell them, hey, go stand by the stage where it's a hot spot. We're having capacity problems. And they'd move over there and users would shift over to Wi-Fi and it would take the burden off the cellular network. So I was just, it was blown away when I heard that use case. Are you are you starting to see or do you envision similar use cases like that here in the, in the U.S.? Well, definitely. Yeah, we, we, we did, uh, I did a number of deployments, uh, when I was at Cisco and, and one of them was, was, uh, Bottle Rock. And that's again, a, a large scale problem for Wi-Fi. You know, cellular's in the mix, but, but the, the Wi-Fi was carrying a lot of the, the data load. You know, the, the traditional view of Wi-Fi being sort of a easy, simple to install, Antennas and access points and everything are are, are not very complex, um, but but you know in a situation like that it it is pretty complex, but it can it can do the job. You know there's 5G um, coming in there and and it's going to be very similar, getting closer uh, to to the user for that capacity, right? Because that that's where Wi-Fi is providing the capacity. Cellular is providing the the wider coverage, but then we're going to see those things in the future kind of blending together, where they're they're both getting closer to the end user and providing that capacity. So just another tool in the toolbox, like you said. So in addition to those two tools in the toolbox, we've done a lot of episodes around some other technology that's really been coming out the last couple of years. Some of our earlier episodes, for example, we talked about artificial intelligence. We've talked about how processor capacity and computing power has just gone through the roof and and that we now have the ability to push that computing power closer to the to the users which is called you know edge processing right can you talk a little bit about your observations on some of those other technologies and how those are playing into this convergence of wi-fi and cellular yeah the um you know this is what this is what edge is all about right we talked we talked about voice there's data. The third thing that comes into play there is compute and bringing that closer to where, you know, compute has to act on something and, and it, it has to do it for a purpose. Um, you know, the connectivity is moving the data that the compute needs to act on. The users you know, are at the edge, whether that's, you know, people or machines or whatever sensors that want, you know, not only the data that's getting moved around, but the results from the computation, the artificial intelligence, right? If we take it back, you know, to that example with cellular and voice, you know, the two things on the on the end of the, either end of that link were, were people having a conversation, processing the data, thinking about what was being said, responding to it. And when we go into the future, it's like, well, the two things on either end of that, you know, could be literally machines thinking about the data, artificial intelligence acting on the data without anybody in the, any people in the loop, really. And so, you know, where is that 
compute power reside and, and, and how efficient can we make it and how much can we blend it and work seamlessly with, with the connectivity technology that's there. And that, that's, a, that's what EdgeQ uh, does. Yeah. I mean, Dan, if you can jump in, but I, I, I did have a, it's an interesting question when you bring up the word compute and make sure I understand and for our listeners. So it makes sense with the voice and the data. The compute, when you think, when you use the term compute, are you saying that in real time, closer to the user, that computational type algorithms will be used to give an immediate result to that end user without going somewhere else? Is that is that what you mean by that? Compute or, you know, is it is it mean something else to you? It definitely means that. And I, I guess it it means a little bit more, too, because when we think about the processing that's done for the connectivity, for the signal mm-hmm. processing, at, at some level, that starts to look a lot like the same processing that happens in a, you know, for AI uh, and inference. And, and so the same the same hardware uh, starts to be reusable. Uh, and, and so you could, you could do more um, with, with the same piece of, of silicon as, as well as having that as close to the user, as close to the data as it can be without, without burdening the rest of the network or adding latency to, to the decision-making that's happened, you know, in the AI. Yeah, I mean that's really helpful. Are you, do, would you say would you call it translytic data, Trans- or the ability to have yeah, or the ability to have on-demand real-time processing and reporting of new metrics not previously available at the edge? Yeah, you know, um, because data has a has a shelf life, and 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 also not only does it have a shelf life, the, the value of of working on the data is related to the expense of moving the data. And if you do that closer to the edge, you, you get, you know, you get your really low latency decision making um, and, and actions, uh, as, as well as you're you're really adding value in in terms of dollars and cents to to the usefulness of it. Yeah. So so I, I guess in that sense, one of the big claims for five G is much better latency. And, you know, for, for listeners that don't know what late, latency means, it's the analogy we used in one of our cellular 101 episodes clear back at the beginning last year was it's like the responsiveness of the gas pedal on your car, right? Low latency, older generation cellular, you, you push the gas and the car kind of responds a little slower because it's an old Chrysler Plymouth, whatever, you know, and you don't really get the feedback from the engine to go do what you're wanting to do. With 5G, and um, AI and, and edge computing, that really affords that responsiveness to be much greater. So when I'm you know doing whatever I'm doing that requires compute powder, power, the analogy would be I'm now driving a McLaren and I just barely touch the gas and I'm getting that response right away and I'm going zero to, zero to 60 in like two seconds, right? That's really, it's not just speed and bandwidth, but it's how quickly the system can respond to what you need or what a device needs out of the network. And that, I think that is the, probably one of the biggest advantages of, of 5G and all the other things like compute power and edge computing or wrapping around it. Is that, does that sound right? 
Yeah, that that sounds that sounds right. And I, I would add too, it's it's also sort of like you have the data coming back from your environment. You see some car pull out in front of you. If that loop to your foot isn't closed fast enough for you to put the put the brake on, that latency is um, really important. You want to get the information to the compute power to what it has to do, <laughs> stop the car, right. and important yeah and and like in a traditional wi-fi or traditional cellular from generations past the measurement of latency that we would look at is in hundreds of milliseconds might be 100 milliseconds 200 milliseconds before you get that responsiveness out of the system sounds like it's fast but it's actually really slow right because with 5g now what are we talking about you know single digits to 10 milliseconds you know 10 to 20 times faster than it used to be right right and the you know and what 5G does it's it it just continues to to build on the inherent strengths of uh, or advantages of license spectrum and 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 in that you know base station control of what's happening and being able to allocate the resources and the time and the schedules you know before you have to actually do something so everything in the system knows when it can move data and it has the really fast mechanisms to, to say, I, I have some data, I have to move some data really fast and, and get it done. So, you know, and that's, that's inherent to the, to the licensed spectrum. So it's, it is a uh, very much a spectrum story in that regard. Yeah. I, I think one good point you brought up and I haven't heard it put that way is that data does have a shelf life and the value in the data is getting to use it rapidly to make decisions for an outcome. And so that's really key you know, distinction for me. I do definitely appreciate and can relate to what that means. So, so Paul, tell us a little bit more about EdgeQ and what is EdgeQ's role in all of this? Well, EdgeQ is a, is a 5G connectivity company. We're, we're building the, the chips that are going to make 5G in the enterprise space affordable and at a scale that that is meaningful right and and also a, a compute um, company because because we acknowledge the very early you know the the power of that relationship between what we have to do for connectivity and what's required for artificial intelligence machine learning uh, to get done and and also the relationship between those things, voice data, now impute and taking the action that's 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 needed. So that that's what we are. Hopefully, we're going to enable you know the five G systems to to get closer to the to the user and more places for that capacity and the and the edge computing power. So is it is it similar to um, say like an Intel or a Qualcomm companies people might recognize that are doing chipsets for technology is it a similar story but you guys are doing something more disruptive than they are that's that's going to change the way these networks are designed and built and if so what what is the key disruptor that that you guys are are using that's going to really position that way right so yeah it is it is similar that in that that those companies are are developing you know uh, silicon for for 5g but I think the disruptive aspect is is the uh, 
degree to which we've made the, the silicon software definable and versatile and that we can take uh, the compute that's in there and repurpose it or share it uh, and, and do that very seamlessly. So I, I think the difference is, is going to be in, in how we manage that. So we would, we would see or hear of EdgeQ silicon showing up inside of a subscriber device like a phone or show, showing up inside of an access point on the network side. Is that effectively the, 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 consumer may, the, the consumer may not even know who EdgeQ is or care? Right. The consumer may not even know uh, who EdgeQ is or, or care. I know my son won't when he's connecting, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's gonna sh we're we're gonna show up in small cell. Uh, we're gonna show up in open RAN architectures where where um, the same piece of silicon is is used in a small cell application as well uh, as a DU uh, distributed unit in a in an open RAN uh, network. So it's it's gonna be a very flexible piece of silicon that uh, they can do a lot in the 5G network and, 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 and be software defined for computation as well as connectivity. So pretty amazing to, you know, to demystify it, you know, it, it is hard for a user to understand, but the chips are there in order to make connectivity, connectivity easier in those applications. So like maybe um, I think I read a little bit about you guys on the fixed wireless 5g where would you where would your chip sit in that environment is it at the end user antenna or is it somewhere else well the initial i guess product launch is is mostly centered around the small cell uh, okay. space and the open ran du so on the infrastructure side but that's a, another fact of it as well it's the the silicon's been built in a way that's very flexible and software defined, and it can sit on the on the user side as a as a UE uh, device as well. It just requires that that software stack to to be on the same piece of silicon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so for users that may not be connecting the dots entirely, what what Paul's company Edge is doing, EdgeQ is doing, is when he talks about Open RAN, Open RAN stands for RAN is Radio Access Network. So Open RAN is a concept where instead of historically in our industry You'd have companies like Motorola, um, Alcatel-Lucent, Nokia, Ericsson. These companies are basically providing chipsets and equipment that runs off those chipsets in a very specific, tailored way that they do a specific frequency band or, or bands, specific type of technology. And then as a network deployment company, you have to basically buy that equipment from them and pay them service fees or royalties for that to work. But then if two years down the road... I now want to do something completely different, say in the Wi-Fi space or whatever. I have to go buy a different product from them. So Open RAN is a concept where the end user that's deploying the network or using that chipset can effectively program and change what that chip's function is supposed to be, what frequency band it works at, whatever the case might be. Is that the best way to describe Open RAN to, to the audience? Yeah. And beyond that, it's, it's um, having different... Uh, there's there's an, there's the 5G core and then there's the RAN equipment and not only is there the RAN equipment there's different ways to make the RAN whether it's a small cell or these radio heads and you know DUs things that sit uh, further away 
uh, in a, in a in a central location, making it open disaggregate network so that so that other vendors can easily plug into those systems is is a uh, so there's there's a lot less lock-in to one v- vendor base for service providers or whomever wants to deploy networks. Got it. So tell me, tell us, tell us a little bit about unique use cases you guys are running into with, with the technology you're developing. There's a, a lot of you know, we've told our audience in the past that the most impactful changes that 5G is going to have may not be visible to the end consumer. Right? It might be. In the background, it might be making changes in the way the world around us works. Can can you give us some use cases that speak to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I've started working with uh, some companies that that literally want to send this stuff out of the world, right? Um, into into satellites. So that's the NTN non-terrestrial networks, and so now we're we're taking the the same five G technology there are some changes for for the NTN um, in the next releases of the of the standard but but essentially that that same silicon can now do those non-terrestrial links to satellites and 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 and, and airplanes and you know all these all these uh, devices that we didn't think were part of you know this normal network that we that we operate in with our phones every day so that's that's a pretty amazing notion that we're just going to take the same same piece of silicon, same basic technology, and and uh, take it into space. So I'm excited about that. The other the other things are are areas where you know some of the limitations uh, around uh, latency and reliability that that other wireless systems have had. Uh, there's going to be a lot more factory automation. You know, these are these aren't uh, terribly new concepts, I, I think, but but there are still problems yet to be solved, or at least deployed to um, on a on a on a mass scale for for the, the factory automation and and low latency, high reliability situations. So, you know, definitely um, seeing those things emerge, and then just the pure capacity play, right? Where this, the, the cellular networks have definitely have to get closer to the user in order to get the highest data rates and highest capacity. Um, you know, a lot where, you know, we think about Wi-Fi uh, access points just being everywhere, but they're, but they're not, you know, a mile and a half away. They're right there in the Starbucks or your home or at the office, right? So I think you know that's that's definitely uh, an area where we're going to see 5G you know come into as well. So that that demands changes with regard to scale, right, and size, and price, right. So it, it feels like an open RAN solution is a way to drive that price point down and allow it to be deployed at the same sort of scale that we saw with Wi-Fi, for example. Whereas Wi-Fi, everywhere you go, you pull up your phone and you see 50 hotspots show up, right? Yeah, I, I think that's 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 going to be the future. I I definitely don't see you know one crowding out the other, like 5G crowding out Wi-Fi or or that. I, I think they they're, they're going to come into the same spaces, but 
once you get down to the fundamentals, they might even start to address the same problem, but you know they're never going to be operating under the same constraints, and that that comes back to that spectrum question again. I think what's going to be really interesting and what was what was so amazing about Wi-Fi was the uh, when Wi-Fi came in and with the unlicensed spectrum, it it really brought the wireless technology very close to the user and and it the creativity you know of the customer in the industry just took off you know and there's explosion of use cases and and now it's everywhere i think when 5g starts to enter the enterprise space and it's not just a cellular technology that sits with the service provider and you know that's that's where all the applications are are coming from and when it sits a little bit closer and we have this private locally licensed spectrum uh that same creativity you know engine is gonna gonna be there and, and we're gonna see a, a real acceleration of use cases and and different visions for that yeah that's really exciting to see you know to bring that to and that's i think what we've heard in the industry about 5g is more low cost deployment you know the cap from what i've understood from the carriers is that yeah you know we put a lot of capital into deploying the infrastructure in previous versions of the network you know 60 80 billion a year and that number is expected to drop and it is because of technologies like what you guys are creating easier to deploy Private enterprise has the ability to do their own networks versus private networks, that kind of technology. So that's really exciting. I mean, you know, for a business leader in different industries, you know, what what's your, what are your um, target industries that you guys are looking for? All of them, any of them, or anything in particular? Oh, all of them is always the right answer, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, the bigger the TAM, the better it is. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I think the the service providers, you know, deploying more small cells is is a clear you know path. Uh, and then there's also a lot of work uh, that that's going to involve um, the the government and the military is transforming, you know, and 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 moving uh, things to 5G, and and we certainly see some opportunities to get involved there, and. And like I said, there's there's a number of areas where we're working with uh, uh, people who have the the satellite NTN NTN vision, and and that's a little longer term, but definitely we'll get there. So that cool, that's awesome. I can't wait to see uh, what comes next for you guys, and sort of see where you start playing a role in a lot of these use cases. So. There's always so much going on behind the curtain that we don't see. There's so many companies like EdgeQ that are making things happen that are not out in front in the light that we see on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's comforting to know that there's innovators like you guys that are, without you, you know, the the, uh, the changes going on so rapidly and exponentially would not happen. So thanks for thanks for sharing and teach us a little bit about how it all works together and what EdgeQ is doing. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate being on. Appreciate you guys. Uh, like I said, I, I keep learning every time I listen to your podcast too. So, All right. Well, till next time, um, thanks for listening. As always, check us out at 5gguys.com. 
Um, you can get all our episodes. You can search for them. You can submit ideas for new episodes. Um, you can even um, put in a request for some help. And, and Wayne and I um, have been known to give away some of our time for some free upfront consulting. And sometimes those, those opportunities can turn into episodes themselves. So thanks again for listening. And uh, until next time, be safe. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5GGuys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 